path to Calvary and his subsequent resurrection. As I said, a little bit different order. You're going to be hearing from the three who were just up here in just a few moments uh, as we prepare to partake of the Lord's table. Luke 20, verses 20 through 26. You know, few, if any of us are familiar with a game called Chaturang. I have to look at it even to pronounce it. Chaturang or Chaturanga is an ancient game uh, that was developed in India. It was a board game, uh, a game of war between two persons. While we may not be familiar with the game Chaturang, we are very familiar with the game that was derived from it. Uh, sometime in the late first millennium AD, the Persians took the game Chaturang into Western Europe and it evolved and became what we know to be the game of chess. Chess is an abstract game that requires strong mental acuity. If you have not great at playing chess, I've played it before. But the goal of chess is to take the other individual's king. And one thing I learned about chess is when you make a move in the game, you not only need to be thinking about the move that you're making, but you're thinking across the board the counteraction that will happen. But one of the great joys of chess is when you basically have your opponent, and it's a one-on-one -on -one game in a position of submission where they have to abdicate their king. You know, in this series of messages, in a way, we've seen a chess match between Jesus and the religious leaders. The religious leaders, they were spending so much time trying to trap Jesus, trying to put Jesus in a position where he must submit to their will. They were trying to turn Jesus' words on himself, but they failed at every term. I was thinking this week, going back to our childhood cartoon, The Roadrunner, that the religious leaders were like Wiley Coyote and the Acme Company. They're trying every time to, to trap Jesus and they couldn't do it. How many times did you think that old Wiley Coyote had the roadrunner and the roadrunner just went beep, beep and left and wasn't affected by it at all? And so we see that this mental game was going on between Jesus and the religious leaders. They were always trying to trap Jesus, but their efforts were continually being foiled. We saw it uh, a few weeks ago. We'll see it today. We'll see it again next week. With that in mind, look with me at Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 20. It says, they watched closely, that is the religious leaders, and they sent spies who pretended to be righteous so that they could catch him, that is Jesus, and what he said to hand him over to the governor's rule and authority. They questioned him, teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly. And you do not show partiality, but teach truthfully the way of God. Boy, they were really buttering him up, weren't they? But then they cut to the quick. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But detecting their craftiness, he said to them, show me a denarius. 
Whose image and inscription does it have? Caesar's, they said. Well, then he told them, give or render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able to catch him in what he said in public and being amazed at his answer, they became silent. Let's pray. Father, as we look to your word today, we thank you for the great wisdom of God in the flesh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we know that you can grant us that same wisdom, wisdom to deal with situations that come up in our lives, wisdom when we're confronted with unexpected questions or unexpected events, the ability to move through them victoriously. Father, we thank you for what your word is teaching us this morning about the subject of authority. All authority is from you. And Lord, as we look at how to differentiate between human authority and divine authority, understanding how to navigate in these days in which we live, realizing that the sole and ultimate authority is you. So Father, speak in these moments, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, I had the opportunity to hear Eric uh, preach last week. What a blessing it was. If you weren't here, let me encourage you to go back and listen to that. I mean, he expounded God's word in such a great way. And today, uh, we are moving along that same line. Shortly after what Eric preached from last week, we see the religious leaders, as Eric brought out last week, uh, they knew that Jesus was condemning them, that they were the tenants who were seeking to kill the son. And so this week we see that they're still trying to discredit him and they had enough maybe horse sense to realize now if we actually try to kill him ourselves, uh, everybody will know we were the fulfillment of that prophecy of what Jesus spoke in that parable. And so they tried to contrive a scheme that was unique. They tried to put Jesus in a position where it would be the Roman authorities who would kill him rather than the religious leaders. But they fail in this plot again. And so there's this mental war going on, this mental battle between the religious leaders and Jesus. And yet as we read through it, we see the wisdom of Jesus. And the wisdom of Jesus is an amazing thing. You know, Paul used what I would call a limited argument in 1 Corinthians 3.25 to, to present to us the wisdom of God. He said, God's foolishness is wiser than man's wisdom. Now, uh, the reason I say it's limited, it was, it was a human argument. We know that God in himself has no foolishness, but Paul is presenting this supposition basically to bring out this. When it comes to wisdom, God's basement far exceeds man ceiling. So as we think about these days in which we live, as we look at what's going on in our world today, as we begin to pray for leaders, we need to pray the wisdom of God, which is far greater than man's wisdom. And God desires to give us this wisdom. 
We can have this wisdom in our own lives, not only as world leaders, but individually. Is there a challenge in your life you're going through right now? God can give you the wisdom. Is there some question you need to answer? God can give you the wisdom. Do you need to decide rightly between two choices? God can give you the wisdom in it. But it's very important that we seek not the world's wisdom, but that we seek God's wisdom. In fact, in the book of James, it says, if any of us lacks wisdom, we can ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach. In other words, the very wisdom that Jesus had here in dealing with the religious leaders, we ourselves can have in our own lives. Because, see, it was almost like popcorn questions. You know, one of the great fears I have in the pastorate is somebody would go through a popcorn questionnaire and, and, and you would have to figure out all 66 books and what chapter where and whatever. And, and by the grace of God, sometimes you can have the answers. But here's Jesus. They're just coming at him like that. Yet the wisdom of God through the person of God, Jesus Christ, was manifest. You know, throughout this journey, we've seen the wisdom of God. We've been impressed by it. We've been amazed by it. We see here, even those the religious leaders sent, they were silent because they were amazed. But we need to remind ourselves, by the grace and mercy of God, the same wisdom Jesus Christ possesses through his spirit, he can grant to us. So as we look at the text this morning, these so-called leaders had put up these so-called seekers uh, to seek to trap Jesus. And so they asked a baited question. They said this, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? They thought they had Jesus in the catch-22. They thought they had him in a position that, from which he could not wiggle. And, and the, their thought was this, well, if Jesus said don't pay, then those who were looking for the Messiah, uh, the common people, the Jews of that day, will begin to rally behind him and say, yeah, he's right. Yet at the same time, he would be setting himself against the religious establishment and could be accused as being an insurrectionist. But if he said pay, the people would not follow him. They would think, well, he's not the Messiah because he's going along with uh, the Roman authorities. He, he's in favor of Caesar. And so they thought, don't pay, good with the people, bad with the Roman government. Pay, good with the Roman government, bad with the people. They thought they had Jesus in a situation he could not address, but how wrong they were. So Jesus said in verse 24, show me a denarius. And they did, and on that piece of money was an impression of Caesar Tiberius. And Jesus said, whose inscription is on it? They said, Caesar. Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. What a brilliant answer. He answered their question but not in a way that he was caught in their trap. He answered their question very truthfully, very soundly, because he's God in the flesh, and he confounded them in his answer. And I want to briefly look at 
these truths. Basically, Jesus was saying checkmate, and that's why they were silent there. But I want to look at the two things that Jesus says here. And the first, he is saying there is a place in God's order for human authority. He says, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Jesus did not here reject human authority. From the beginning, God bestowed authority on human beings. As Eric brought out last week with the tenants, God, the owner of the vineyard, delegated responsibility in that case to the religious leaders for the responsibility of the Jewish faith. But even in the very beginning, God delegated authority to mankind. He placed Adam and Eve in the garden and he told the man and the woman that they were to have dominion over the rest of created order. God, in fact, has established human authority in the home. Parents are to have authority over their children. The husband is given authority over the wife in headship. Now, again, that doesn't mean the way that the world tries to portray human authority. It doesn't mean that the says my way or the no way. But what it means is that God is given in the order of the home, uh, the husband, the responsibility, the, the, the headship within that home. We see it even in the church that God delegates to pastors, to elders, to deacons, positions of leadership in the church. We see it in Sunday school teachers with their classrooms. But God also endorses civil authority. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. What he means is give back what is due. You say, well, I don't owe that president anything or that senator anything. But by the very position, as God places them in that position, we're to render them what is due them. You know, Romans 13 is an entire chapter on the subject of civil authority. And in Romans 13, Paul says it is the Christian's duty to obey earthly authority. In the first verse, he gives the, the command and the reason for the command. In Romans 13, 1, he says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities. He doesn't make any concession. Let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except that which is from God. And so he gives the command first, submit to civil authority, submit to earthly authority. Then he gives the reason because God has placed that individual in authority. And, and as we go through it, we realize later in the chapter that, that uh, civil authority is given, political authority, governmental authority is given for our own good, to protect us. So it's not good for a Christian by nature to be anti-authority. We're not always to be in a rant going against this and against that. But we're to render to earthly authority what is due earthly authority. You might ask, well, what am I to render? Well, first, I would say obedience to the law. You may say, well, I don't agree with that law that says the speed limit is 55, I think it ought to be 65. No, you submit to the law. And the law is given what? For our own good. Could you imagine what it would be to travel up and down 15? There were no law. There was no speed limit. I know some of you in here, and I might be one, if we didn't have that, would drive 95 or 100, especially if we had to get somewhere. The law, we, we obey the law because the law, by principle, is for our good. 
What else are we render? The payment of taxes. Boy, I, I dread, you know, one of the, when we get into the new year, the first thing I think, oh man, I've got to collect all that stuff. I've got to take it to my tax preparer. I've got to get all of this done. And, and I don't really like it, and you probably don't either, but we have to pay taxes. We pay the taxes of the land. I like what one commentator said. He said the same taxes that they were paying was going to build the Roman roads that allowed the gospel to get farther out than it ever would have without them. And so pay taxes is another thing we're to render. We're to honor earthly authority. That's the third thing. God said in his word, fear God and honor the king. And then a fourth thing is vote. We should vote. Um, in fact, we should vote this Tuesday. How about that? <laughs> if you live in Buckingham County, I've never endorsed a candidate, but I'm going to this time, all right, for two reasons. One, he is a good personal friend and integral part of our church family, and two, he's running unopposed. <laughs> but if I were Kemper, it would be a blessing to see the people, especially the people here, come out and vote for him. So if you've not already done so, some of you have already done so, Tuesday from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., go see Larry and Randy and them, or go see those that are at uh, um, Kurdsville. But vote. But very seriously, that's a responsibility and a privilege that we have is to go out and to vote and to have a voice. And so the scripture is very clear in Romans 13, in the part we read, fear God and honor the king in 1 Peter 2, that we as Christians have a responsibility to render unto governmental authority that which is due them. But we see also Jesus tells us that the ultimate authority is God's authority itself. We're to give unto God what is God's. It's understood that the ultimate and highest authority is God. He is the absolute ruler. He is the one, as Eric brought out last week, he is the one who delegates responsibility, as that parable said, in other areas to other people. And so while we have earthly authority, they respond as agents of God, the scripture teaches us. He alone is true. And when it comes down to it, all order, all authority is his. So the question we have is this, and it's the natural question. What am I supposed to do when earthly authority conflicts with God's authority? What, what do I do? Where do I draw the line? Um, I like the illustration that Eric shared last week, and I'm going to share one similar from my own work experience. If you were here last week or were able to hear it, remember the story about the truck driver and his dad and how his dad was the one that was paying the paycheck, and thus he was the one who was the ultimate authority. Now, if his dad were not there, didn't have a voice, you might do what the driver said but there's an ultimate authority. I had a similar experience. When I was in seminary, I worked at a, a used furniture company, and we had a manager. His name was George Morgan, and uh, George one day came in and said, I want you to take, we had all used furniture. That was the day when you had metal file cabinets, and they were heavy. Now you don't see those much anymore. 
they were two drawer. They were like 50 of them. He said, I want you to stack them in twos. That would be 25 stacks of four. And so we were helping people. You know, we, we actually would deal with selling stuff and doing the, the physical labor. But it took us basically between helping customers and that the all morning to set those up. You know where I'm going with that. At noon, the owner came in. He looked. He said, I can't see the back of the store. Get those things off. And so we spent the whole afternoon undoing what we had done in the morning. But we listened to the owner, not because, just because he was the last word of instruction, but he, like Eric's dad, was the one who was paying the check. He was the ultimate authority. He, he could fire the manager. And so as we think about that, when we see conflict between earthly authority and God's authority, we choose God. In fact, the disciples were confronted in the book of Acts by earthly authority, which was trying to tell them to stop preaching the gospel. And you remember what Peter said, we must obey God rather than man. But how do we know when we reach that point? When we reach the point where we've got to choose God over the other. A good rule of thumb is this. If government calls us to do what is contrary to God's command, or if government uh, calls us to not do what God commands, then we're to reject that authority. If our government were to forbid the preaching of the gospel, we must obey God. If the government were to command that the Bible be taken out of the home, then we keep the Bible in the home. If the Bible begins to tell the preacher what he ought, I mean, if, if the government tries to tell the preacher what he ought to preach, the, we're to submit to God's authority. We're to do what God says in those cases. Now, there are other cases where the government does not conflict, and, and the Holy Spirit will allow us in those cases that aren't so clear what direction uh, that we are to take. So as we see, sort of summing up this morning, Jesus does really two things. He wisely addresses people who are trying to confound him. And, and we need that wisdom in our lives. As I brought up earlier, I don't know what you're going through in your life right now. Maybe it's a new situation. Maybe it's an old situation. Maybe it's something that's come upon you unexpectedly, just like Jesus was unexpectedly fielding these questions. It is right and good to pray, God, give me the same wisdom that Jesus had here. Help me to know how to work with this person wisely. Help me to know how to go in this situation wisely. God, you paved the way. Don't give me man's wisdom. Give me God's wisdom. But then secondly, we understand and Eric brought this out last week, authority. God is our authority. Authority is good. God has orchestrated authority, and it is for our good. You know, as I close last week, um, I'll confess to you, I was in church on Sunday. We went to a Sunday school class with Karen's parents. I was in there with senior adults, so I'm getting close. I've hit 57. But as we were in there, uh, they were teaching from a different series. It was Lifeway series, but not what we have. 
I think it's a Bible book series is what it used to be called. And we were studying in Daniel 7. And you remember in Daniel 2 and in Daniel 7, there are the visions of the empires, one empire being replaced by another. In chapter 2, the statue that was felled by the rock hewn, not by uh, the hand of man. And then in Daniel 7, as we look at the beasts that were replaced. But after all is said and done, in verses 13 and 14, in the vision of the beast, after that last and dreadful beast, he said, I continued, Daniel said, in, in Daniel 7:13, watching in the night visions, and suddenly one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was escorted before him. He was given a dominion and glory and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. What this word tells us is that we need to get straight in our lives God's ultimate authority. Because not only is God's authority higher and greater than any other authority, when all is said and done, where every earthly authority, every earthly government, which is replaced by the previous one, when all is said and done, there's one authority that stands, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I wonder today, have you believed in him? Have you submitted your life to his authority have you said, God, I need you in my life. I've been trying to run my life in my own strength. God, help me. God, I yield. Maybe you've never trusted Christ, and what you need to do is for the first time yield your life to him and be saved and follow him. Maybe you've done that, but in some area of your life, there's this struggle that's going on. God's saying, just yield to me. Yield to my wisdom. Yield to my authority. You see, God gives us authority for our good, for his glory, and for order. But God's authority is eternal. I hope you've trusted that. Let's pray. Father, as we gather this morning, we thank you how in your sovereignty you've ordered this world with authority. Lord, as we saw last week, you have delegated authority. In some cases, that authority has not been handled well, and you've acted. But Lord, we thank you that you have given us order. But Lord, we realize that you're the ultimate authority. Father, today, if there be any who have not yielded their lives to your authority over their lives, that today would be that day. Father, if there's anybody today who lacks wisdom in a situation, I pray you would grant wisdom. And Father, may in all things you be glorified, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.